Welcome Pathfinders to Find the Path Podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. After oh, yeah. Party 73. One last time. Indeed. Because unfortunately, this will probably be the last one. I know. Oh, it's, it's weird. So weird. So uh, we are back once again to continue our uh, our talks pertaining towards our most recent three episodes. Episode 217, 218, and 219. It's creeping ever closer to the very end. The end of it all. Dun, dun, dun. One way or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get victory. you. <laughs> In victory, Rick. In complete and total victory. That is all we will accept. Yes. yes. Victory. I mean, that's dependent upon you, not me. It's true. It's true. Victory or death. It's really one or the other. Yeah, as was kind of applied up towards the top of that, you guys, uh, these last three episodes had taken you to the uh, the precipice, uh, in essence, bringing this to the most likely penultimate after party for the Mummy's Mass podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I suppose we should jump into it. Let's do this. In 217, uh, I believe all of you got blasted in the face by some spores, which was uh, pleasant. It was rude. It was unpleasant. That was uh, very bad. <laughs> we nearly died. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't think you guys, I don't think any of you necessarily got that close to dying. I think Hollis got about halfway there. Citra was pretty close, too. Yeah, it's more the fact yeah. that the, uh, the, the spores are contagious. Yeah. Yeah. We just oh, yeah. Them up Which everywhere. was weird. Like, that's weird in Pathfinder to see something that's actually, like, contagious. Yeah, vomiting out uh, 10 foot clouds of spores every round. Yummy. Mm. Multiple rounds for five rounds. Yeah, so it's just kind of a, a neat little addition there that, uh, you know, opening up the, the jar with the octopoid head. Interestingly enough, not an intentional trap per se. Uh, it once contained the ashes of uh, Hakatep's great aunt, hmm. Queen Neferuset's grandmother. Ah. Who apparently was uh, in traditional Lovecraftian fashion, so corrupted by her knowledge that it actually corrupted her physical form and turned her into a deadly spore monster. Gross. I mean, that's on brand. And then, yeah. and then they were just like, okay, yeah, everybody get out the broom. Let's just sweep that into this. Now, uh, I'm sure it hasn't you know, been opened <laughs> ever since she was put in there. Yeah, but somebody had to sweep it in there is what I'm saying. No, her ashes turned into that because she was so corrupt. But then what turned her into ashes? Just it, her corruption or whatever? No, they definitely wouldn't have cremated her. So I think it yeah, was probably they wouldn't just have cremated her, right? whatever happened to her was so uh, horrific that she collapsed into ash and dust. There's a Lovecraft story that something like that does happen in. That doesn't surprise me. At the end of uh, The Curious Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Mm, that's the one I'm thinking of. Thank you. Oh, man. Heather came in with that short story. Yep. She was reduced back to her essential salts, if you will. Gross. It feels very uh, salts were bad. alchemist. It's true. Oh, Do yes. not call up that, which you cannot put down. Exactly. So uh, you guys did manage to survive that, however. And then you went into the uh, the next chamber and, according to this, kissed the dark, uh, as but, they refer to it, where you uh, used the column of souls to transport you to a room with a uh, surprisingly complicated puzzle. That was a it's weird icky. riddle. A literal riddle. We were overthinking it pretty <laughs> hardcore. If there's one thing yeah. that you'll you'll know about Find the Path, we overthink every time we have a riddle. That's 100%. a real riddle. They just changed the answer. Because that yep. riddle actually is silence, except yes. they decided to make it walls or whatever it was. Yeah, but technically walls is also correct. So mm-hmm. in this specific case only. In this specific case, yes, since it is written on a wall. So yes, if you speak its name, it vanishes. What is it? I'm just glad that when you said it's floors, it didn't make the floor disappear. <laughs> that would have <laughs> been real been, bad. It would have been funny, but it would have been awful also. Yeah. Drops you in a pet of snakes. Ah, I mean, why did hilarious. 
and on brand for this place. So, you know. A little bit. Of course, all the snakes haven't eaten in 6,000 years, so I'm sure they're- They're all ghoul snakes. They're, <laughs> I was going to say they're ghoul all undead snakes. snakes. Or it's just one snake that ate all the others, and as a cannibal, he became a ghoul. Ah. <laughs> I'm just saying. It would track. Technically speaking, humans aren't the only ones capable of cannibalism. True. True. Yeah, but after solving said puzzle, you'd uh, made your way past the crypts of the Four Wise Witches. Uh, before eventually arriving at the Crypt of Kempathis, of which you'd opened up, dug around through his remains, uh, found the bracelet that you needed to proceed, and then got hit in the face with his, uh, what was that? Strength drain thing. Grave. Uh, yeah. Wait, Whirlwind of Bones. I was looking for the name of that ability. Whirlwind of Bones. It was sharp. Hollis was literally like two points away from unconsciousness uh, as yeah. far as strength. Like, that <laughs> yeah. was not fun. Uh, big old fight then ensued uh, in the following episode where you fought the... Uh, the genius Kempathis, as well I as his. I think it uh, would have been really funny if he ran one. away. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I runs thought out. that was what he was going to do: was to go like <laughs> yeah. run, run, and like I don't know, get Hakatep or something. They're like, man, Rick really wants to end this campaign. The enemies are just running out into the <laughs> desert. <laughs> They're all clumping together in Honestly, fireball formation. Honestly, if I had been, you know, so horrible in life, I'd been turned into a ghoul and then sealed into my own sarcophagus that I literally couldn't open because of my own quote-unquote genius, and then I starved to death and turned into something even more monstro, you know, a bigger monstrosity, and then people let me out. I think I would have just left. I would have been like, I'm gone. Sorry. Peace. Bye. <laughs> and then yeah. there were witch fires, which was very cool, but also sucky. Oh, yeah. Yes. Witch fires. It's the problem with incorporeal creatures, oh, too. Uh, I know. So, yeah, you guys got into a heck of a fight there with the... Uh, yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, I didn't really think Compathis, like, other than the ability drain, well, that's did much to the group. Citra snuck attack the out of that little halfling man. Well, we I, it was fire. one of those things, yeah. like, he came on so strong at first, scared the crud out of me, where I was like, okay, so he's going to use his last, uh, you know, embiggen and just beat this man to the ground. I'm glad yeah. it wasn't damage, because I'd used everything I had to get rid of that against the spores, and I was yeah. like... Well, it if... was some drain, some damage. That's what was so bad. It's a little bit of drain, but only two points, and Hollis doesn't need strength. Uh, most of it was damage, which was good. You say that till you get hit with a, uh, you know... Innervation Ray or Ray of Enfeeblement or something like that. As long as I can be <laughs> awake and I can see someone, I can cast a spell. But the uh, the witch fires took a great deal more effort to put down. Anything mm -hmm. that I have to hit that will catch me on fire that then also <laughs> makes me vulnerable to that fire is uh, real mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun it's mean. a fun amount of synergy. It's, yeah, it, but it's you know very it's a clever good synergy like plan. <laughs> oh, it's it's a it's a great monster because it's one of those monsters you want to get want to kill as soon as possible. But the faster you try to kill it, the faster it's trying to kill you. It's built in mm -hmm. with this spite. That's very nice. It's very spiteful, yeah. indeed. And then uh, after defeating them, you'd manage to open the passage, taking you out from there and into the uh, the large chamber in the northern portion of the uh, the map there, into the chariot track, as they refer to oh, it. Oh man, here. you guys scary. got to battle against uh, General uh, Tarawet. She almost killed Sudi yeah, in a round. Which I was gonna in say, round. Like, uh, it, General Tarawet nearly killed Sudi. Like the next round, Sudi would have died, guaranteed. Yeah. When uh, so I suppose to put things in perspective here, um, yeah, she's a Grave Knight, sixteen levels of fighter. Oh, oh wow! So, on top uh, of being a Grave Knight. Oh yeah. On top of knight. being a Grave Knight. Oh so, uh, my gosh. Doing pretty good there. Uh, various resistances, lots of neat stuff. Uh, really, what her the thing that's crazy about her is her uh, full attack with her bow is uh, plus 24, plus 24, plus 24, plus 19, plus 14, plus 9. Wow. wow. 
Uh, she also has improved criticals, so she criticals with the times three on a 19 to 20. Jeez. I'm just glad I took our chariot away. Yeah, that was I'm just was mad I didn't get to move. snare a single one of those arrows because well. she went before I did. And if she criticals, she, of course, does uh, sickened and staggered, as Sudi yep. was aware of once he fought her, uh, once she was oh. down on the ground with her plus one keen greatsword. Keen greatsword. I mean, I don't oh be wrong. Gosh, I that's... love me a keen weapon, but oh, and I like you, it when I have the keen focus? weapon. Yeah, she's, uh, well, actually, no, she has a critical focus and critical mastery, which is how oh, she can apply two critical gosh. feats to the same ability. Mm-hmm. High level fighters, uh, once you start getting into Are the critical feats. My amazing. God. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Mm. Is, like, it also sets up for a really awkward fight if you d- if we didn't have, like, let's just say the mage's disjunction didn't happen. Uh, she can move 100 feet around. Sudi can only fly 60. And so I would literally be trying to fly after her. She easily outpaces me, filling me full of arrows. Like... Yeah, yeah, very, that, very was, bad situation for Sudi. <laughs> I've never been happier to cast a ninth level spell. That was my first one ever as a wizard, and it was Major's Disjunction, which was flavorful and correct. And I got to yeah. take away her toy, which was fun. That was yeah. real clutch, because that was probably that turned what would have been a really messy fight where I probably died into like a relatively a fight where you almost died. Yeah, uh, well, a fight where I almost died, but a fight <laughs> that like was much more manageable once we got in there, and then Citra just destroyed her. <laughs> I really mm. like being invisible. High level rogues do not mess around. High level yeah. play is so fun. High I level mean, rogues are uh, ungodly in the right situation when everything. Yeah, lines I was gonna say right. the problem is is you have to have that perfect recipe of you know either in the flank or invisible or something because like I will literally go from doing you know 40, 50 points of damage to doing ten. If I don't yeah, have like in that. The, there yeah. was like a night no, and day yeah, between I mean, the two fights. Yeah. Just uh just a couple of episodes back when you were fighting against the the ooze thing, even though Citra does slashing damage, she couldn't do enough damage to overcome its damage reduction. Yeah. So hmm? ah, it's a okay. it's a give and take. This that is why scary. all good parties get their rogues in the flank. After dropping her down to the ground, the fight honestly ended rather quickly. Yeah. So Yeah. It's interesting because um I don't think we need to go into this too much because I think we've addressed this previously. It gets into a bit of that uh, high-level play, no matter if it's first edition, second edition, any edition, honestly, many different games. Uh, high-level play gets a little swingy. A little bit, where yeah. It's, if she had decided to target Hollis instead of Sudi, Hollis would have been dead the first round of combat. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then it would, then actually, weirdly, probably would have been relatively easy to pick the rest of us off. Well, that's one of the things they tried to work on for second edition. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they tried to make a, the math a little bit tighter, so it's not quite as yeah. swingy. I've heard it's still an issue, but I've heard it's not as bad of an issue as it is in first edition. Well, low-level play is also very swingy because everybody's very squishy in first edition. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like the mid-level plays where things are more, I think, balanced. balanced out. And then... Yeah. Low level, it's very swingy just because you're squishy as hell. And then high level play is very swingy because you have a fighter that can do five to six attacks per round, depending on their situation and their feats and spells. And that's just death. Yeah. And like, you know, Citra's rogue build can do probably what, like 200 points of damage if you hit with every single one of your six attacks. And you're hasted. And you're hasted. And you have an opportunist. So you have eight attacks. Two weapon fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know as far as uh, as far as low level play, that gets back to the whole thing of uh, I think they give uh, standard orcs. I can't remember if it's in the Pathfinder Bestiary or if it's in the uh, 3.51 Monsters Manual in that case. A falchion. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's like at first level, if they bounce a 19 to 20 and they're within reach of anything that's not the fighter, it's probably dead, so Jim. far into the negative that they're dead, dead. Yeah. Yeah. Because of how much damage they do. 
So I think that that is a, an issue that they solved with second edition. That plus 10 critical thing can cause a lot, some swinginess in second edition. Yeah, yeah the, I've the seen... criticals are where it gets a little swingy. Yeah. I, I feel like with second edition, it's swinger because of the dice rolls and not because of mm-hmm. ability score and balance. Because again, yeah, like, that's true. That's with, true. With Tara Wet and her plus 24 to hit oh. for three attacks, I'm pretty sure all oh, of those boy. would hit Hollis if she rolled a oh yeah. two. She'd have to yeah. roll on that one to not hit Hollis, I think. Yeah. So uh, I think in first edition, it's a little harder to keep the AC up for characters that aren't front line. Uh, whereas fair, in second I did a bad edition, job of trying because I kept spending all my money on spells. Yeah. <laughs> but Typical anyway, wizard. you guys did uh, defeat Tarawet and then made your way through the waters of forgetfulness. That was such a, a weird trap. trap. As a side note, uh, since we didn't get into what actually happens if you drink the water. I'm so curious. Feeble mind. It doesn't feeble mind you and it doesn't okay. actually remove okay. your um, all of your memories. It just okay. makes your memories blurry. Mechanically, what that means is that for each mouthful of water swallowed, the imbiber loses access to one of our highest level prepared spell slots or <gasps> spells per day. Dang. In the case of a spellcaster chosen at random uh, or her most recently acquired feat. Oh, oh. for anything oh, wow. that is not a spellcaster. <laughs> wow. Uh, you lose bad. access for 24 hours. Oh, that's Ow. so bad. I'm glad we didn't do that. That's mean. That would have been really yep. horrible. That trap does like mass suggestion to drink the water, right? Uh, mass suggestion, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's cup Ooh. of dust or something, and then yeah, it's a DC twenty-eight fortitude save against the cup of dust effect, and then a DC twenty-eight will save against the suggestion. Oh wow. my gosh! Um, and those under the effects of the cup of dust take a minus two penalty because it seems reasonable. Wow! Yep. Wow! So that's basically, the equivalent of a DC thirty will save. Mm. Jeez, that's rough. Even at this level, like even if you have a good save in that in that spot that's a tough save yeah and if you're powering just trying to power through down the hallway you have to do that three times oh my gosh <laughs> i mean i think i don't have masika's character sheet in front of me but i think she can make that with like a 10 i'm not trying to brag or just but i'm just saying it's possible if you're a wisdom caster to for that to be the realm yes. of possibility yeah. one person in the whole party could do it <laughs> yeah, but you might still get to hit the fortitude fail the fortitude save to have that cup of dust uh on you and then uh, you're yeah. taking the uh uh, I forget what yeah. I forget what the penalties are for that, but not good. But Just fortunately, they uh, they threw one last trap in y'all's way. No, because uh, then they put the curse mask. room in there. Well, the curse room's not really a trap. It's very weird. It's, it's a very hazard. obvious. Trap it's adjacent. a curse room. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it defines it as a hazard. So the curse room is almost more akin to something like a room full of quicksand than it is a trap. Hmm. Because uh, again, you guys noticed it without having to actually have trap sense or anything like that. You could just note looking in yeah, there that there's like, not a this bi- there's there's not a bypass besides getting besides literally standing there for ever as two erases the runes you know so what happens if yeah. you land or if you fail any living creature that uh, walks on the floor is targeted by a uh, heightened bestow curse at ninth level hmm. uh, caster level Ouch. 18 just to really stick Ow. it to you right before you fight Hakatep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the penalty that you receive is randomly determined from the bestow curse spell <laughs> oh nice. that's interesting nice uh, undead creatures are specifically unaffected by the curse. Naturally. So, yeah. So it might have given uh, Citra one last you know, chance to shine as far as her disable uh, curse ability. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, if you just happen to have done that. <laughs> I suppose correction, actually. Uh, you then went across another trap as far as the symbol of pain trap in the following room. Oh, right. Uh, which you bypassed and then made your way in. Yep. Yeah. That then brought you before the Sky Pharaoh's throne. I'm and excited about the ninth level spell I picked for Masika, but I'm not going to tell y'all what it is. 
Yep. I'm excited for all the ninth level spells I get access to. I was going to say, he's going to have ninth level <laughs> spells too, so no telling what he's throwing at us. It's a limited list of ninth level spells that even exist. So it, I it guess, is a pyramid of, of number of spells where you get Honestly, very Honestly, what I might be level. afraid of are all the eighth level spells I have. There are some good eighth level spells for sure. They're very it's good eighth level spells. We'll just have to make sure he doesn't get too many rounds to cast them in. After 219 episodes, you're here. Mm -hmm. So this fight with Hawktap's either going to take a real long time, guys, or it's going to be over real quick. Go, so... go real fast. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's how high-level fights go. It's one of those, you're either there, it's like, okay, three years later, we're still fighting Hawktap. Sorry, guys. <laughs> or... well, the longer it goes, the less likely we are to win it. So let's hope yeah. it's not uh, yeah, super 100%, long. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Well, Hawktap and four golems. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, we'll find out. So we'd uh, we'd left off with uh, with Hakatep floating up from his throne to uh, to look down upon all of you as you'd enter. Well, literally the didn't room. even give us a, a little monologue before doing the whole. Well, thing. Do. I'm like, sure he's about to. I was gonna he say, just is had he, to is fly into the air beforehand. Is he doing the float up first, or is it like? Because usually yeah. it's like they monologue and then they float up, and you're like, oh, they got flying magic. It's like but we I guess can all for him, fly, like, man. I, I love the idea that he like <laughs> he he goes and floats up. We start floating up, and yeah. it's just everybody just kind of floats up like it's a DBZ episode. <laughs> and there's a lot of screaming. Like except for the couple of you that stay on the ground, and then it's like when the. Captain America Civil War when the two sides run towards them and then people start launching up into the sky. Mm. <laughs> Except I'm not going anywhere near that guy. <laughs> I'm staying back over here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we'll be starting up our next uh, next episode with the the final fight mm -hmm. after at that point 220 episodes from wow. being a bunch of uh, of random people and a, a lottery <laughs> out in front yeah. of a, a temple to now being in the Pyramid of the Sky Pharaoh himself. I will admit I'm very excited for it. It's a, it's a strange sensation having come this far. It's definitely not my first adventure path to finish. I think it's somewhere in my neighborhood of like 12th. But it's interesting because we've been doing this for so very long. Mm -hmm. I've never had an adventure path that's lasted four years. No, we usually wrapped them up in about a between a year, year and a half, depending. Yeah, you know. usually. Yeah. We're going to have uh, another three episodes following this is my estimation one way or the other. If we all die in the next episode, we'll do two episodes of Afterlife hanging out. Yes, <laughs> that's the plan. I have a plan. You find yourself on the bone in the boneyard. <laughs> so currently oh, my crap. estimation is, and uh, I'm fairly certain that this is going to be accurate, that episode 222 will be our final episode. Oh, man. Oh, man. Just for everyone's uh, edification. Three twos. So in essence, this will also be our last uh, standard after party. Mm -hmm. So our plan as it stands right now is to do a Twitch stream on the 19th of November which will be uh, our grand finale. Uh, so stay tuned for more details on that. But yeah, we're planning on, uh, on doing, uh, you know, post-adventure uh, AMA sort of style. And and you might chat. get you might find out what what's coming next. I bet you find Twitch out what's coming tree. next. I think yeah, if there was going to be an time. occasion for us to tell people, that would probably that would, be a good one. You know, yeah, probably just a little, gonna be it. little sneak yep. peek. Got to slap a hand over Heather's mouth like Tom Holland over there. <laughs> Ready to spill the beans. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm just saying that We're all exists. very excited for what comes next. Yes, we are all exceptionally excited. We're all exceptionally excited for the next three episodes and then exceptionally excited for what comes next. I think it will impress 
everyone. And honestly, I think the next three episodes will uh, impress and or terrify uh, everyone both here and uh, listening abroad. I need Hollis just to disintegrate him and the fight be over in like a round. I have a disintegrate. That would be flipping wonderful. And it's like, okay, we're done now. (laughs) 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 You you disintegrate him, he fails the fort save and he's still alive. (laughs) He's probably got one of those like like, uh, boomerang things or whatever. Oh, yeah. You already put those in one area. Oh my gosh. What what is that spell called? Spell turning. Spell yeah. turning, that's but it. it. It has a certain number of levels. There's a whole thing with that spell. I just love Rachel sitting there doing the boomerang thing. Like he's got a boomerang of spell repelling or something. Yeah, he, just he, holds, just like he literally, literally holds up a boomerang, a boomerang, catches it, and then throws it back at you. My boomerang. It's late, okay? <laughs> it's been a long day. Stop judging me. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just, I would be impressed by that magic item. It would be cool. The boomerang of spell turning? So, uh, we do, however, we are going to try to get through uh, a number of emails uh, as we've gotten some phenomenal emails from all of you. That's why Rick isn't having one of the rest of us host because he's like, I got to keep these people in check. I got to keep this going. <laughs> so uh, we do have a number of emails to go through. So let's go ahead and jump straight into those, shall we? Okay. All righty. Good. So our first email comes from Matthew, a.k.a. Sith Drummer from Dungan Hold. Hey, Matthew. I met that guy in person once. We did. Matthew writes in, peace, friends, peace. Yeah. Well done, Very nice. Well done. As good old Kelru would undoubtedly say. Matthew from Dungan Hold again. I wanted to open this letter with a hearty thank you for the countless hours of entertainment you provided over the years. Though Rick would be the first to say that your audio quality has notably improved since then. Rest assured that your content has been truly exceptional from the start. Oh, thank, thank you. you. But the first that. thing you opened with was peace, friends, peace. So Peace, friends, <laughs> peace. I know I'm as excited as anyone to see you prevail against the Sky Pharaoh. Heck yeah. And if I've gotten my timing right, perhaps you'll be reading this shortly after that long anticipated victory. Ah, shortly before. Shortly hey, before, yeah. We have to leave a lot of time for what I imagine is going to be a long AMA. Uh, oh, we're going to have a five-hour AMA. I'm ready for <laughs> no. it. No. Jessica falls asleep halfway through. I will fall asleep. Of course, since you decide when this email gets read on air anyhow, I suppose you could make that timing happen regardless of any special effort on my part, and I'd never know. Well, now you know. Well, now you know. And, I wanted to read this a little bit beforehand. And knowing is half the battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. 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 Yep. <laughs> the other half is stabbing. Sure. <laughs> anyway, I know from the 205 through 207 after party that Rick prefers you all to remain focused on your present games and not future ones. So once again, I hope this lands at precisely the right time for that reason, at least. Exciting. My question okay. to Game Master and to players is about what you do to prepare for a new campaign. Mm. On the GM side, how much campaign prep do you end up creating before having your session zero or your session one? For that matter, how big does your campaign binder slash guide slash Bible end up being before you get going? And do you have any advice for how to arrange or plan it so that you can easily expand it as the campaign progresses? Uh, So I suppose my answer as far as that is concerned is how much prep I do is extensive. Uh, really, I start reading <laughs> yeah. on the next adventure path I'm going to do, kind of starting when I start the sixth book of the adventure path that I'm doing. Uh, I take a very broad kind of view, just a quick read through. I personally prefer to read through the entirety of all six adventures. 
um, or at the very least the first three, but I prefer to do all of them because I love to foreshadow what's going to happen in the latter books substantially earlier. Uh, sticky notes are my friend, as they have been traditionally, although now that I do things a bit more digitally, it's a lot of uh, an ever-expanding Google Doc that is oftentimes exceptionally large. This time, actually, I, I will let you in on this. For the adventure path that we are doing next, I, ha I am doing something different than what I've normally done, oh. which is actually I'm importing all of the information into Foundry and adding my notes directly to it on Foundry and then copying it elsewhere just to make sure that I have it. So in essence, room by room, if I'm adding any notes or anything additional that I want to include, I'm doing it in the VTT. Since this is the first time we'll have started a adventure specifically using a VTT for it. Technically also Hell's Rebels, but Hell's Rebels, I was still really learning Foundry. Yeah, I think we yeah. actually started roll 20 with that too. Yep. And I, as far as that Mummy's Mask is concerned, I'm pretty sure that my my notebook full of notes and everything else for it is about maybe 30 or 40 pages. Wow, that's not as thick as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a lot of that is the massive thing that is Hockatep's backstory. Because I like to do a lot of I like to do a lot of information gathering and all the rest of that on backstories. Um, the only other thing I was going to maybe suggest is uh, and this is the first time I've done this as well, because it's new for me to be using PDFs for this is uh, I do find function on the entirety of all the books, usually on the main bad guy's name, just to see what they say about him in every single book in the adventure path mm. or if there's a book in the adventure path that never mentions him so that I can insert a little bit more about him. Nice. nice. So and for the players. How much back and forth feedback is there between you and the GM or between you and the other players before you sit down at the table? What's your process for determining your varying hooks into the story or with each other? And of course, since we all love casting characters, how do you go about casting your PC? We usually start mm -hmm. kind of talking about what AP we want to play next and what classes everybody's kind of interested in playing. Uh, funny enough, uh, at the beginning of book six of whatever AP that mm -hmm. we're currently on. And it's like when you hit that last book, that's when you start thinking ahead. And then we usually talk with each other about our backstories. Um, depends on the AP and how connected everybody is, how much we really, I think, know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, for this next one, we did, you know, a big sit down with Rick and got a yes. bunch yes. of history and uh, backstory stuff and gave suggestions to each other around like have you thought about this thing I do a lot of talking with Jordan because I live with him yeah and then I end up building I think four or five versions of a PC like I cycle through a handful of classes and archetypes and builds generally till we're about to start uh, although I think I'm pretty <laughs> solid on our next one once I put somebody down on paper then it, I, I tend to be like then okay. it's real this is the person. I have class and ancestry and all that stuff nailed down before I start to write my backstory, just because a lot of times why my character is whatever class they are is influenced by what, you know, their backstory. So once I'm starting to type up who that character is, I'm usually I'm not going to change. I might change like an archetype if I decide to take one, but usually the main class itself is not is, is, is nailed down by the time I'm starting to do like deep character creation type stuff. Yeah, yeah, I kind of tend to build a little bit differently because I, I will start with what class I want to play. And then I kind of start working in um, like, you know, what ancestry I'm going to do and put down a character sheet and get a kind of rough outline of what my character is going to be. And then I kind of use the character sheet to help me write a kind of fitting backstory for it. 
and then I will generally go in and uh, depending on my character and what they should know, I'll try to find some knowledge to like back up what they should know. So like for instance, uh, with Sudi, I had written him in such a way that Sudi is from Wati, has lived in Wati his entire life, has also been around Wati. So like I really studied the map, made sure I knew like where all the, you know, the big POIs were, things like that. If I was playing a character that was you know, really knowledgeable about the planes, I might go read, you know, some of the, the Great Beyond books or, or some of the planar uh, books and try to get a little bit more kind of general knowledge of like what my character knows, because I feel like it kind of helps me put me in that mindset. And then lastly, I, I will usually have already come up with some, like what the character voice is going to sound like. Um, usually Jess and I are workshopping, you know, mm. character voices. Um, probably a good like couple months before we're actually recording. We'll kind of figure it out because a lot of times like Jess and I like just because by the nature of us living together, we tend to make characters that have some kind of relationship. So like, you know, we had Adria and, and Lucia and Hell's Rebels. We've had Citra or uh, uh, Sakura <laughs> and Sudi. Too many S's. Yeah. If y'all heard Thank Mikey you. meowing while Jordan was talking, that was him reminding me to tell you all that part of my character creation process is him lying across all of my books to help <laughs> me not turn pages. So I know that that's what I'm going to pick. Yeah. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rachel? Um, I'm probably the weird one that uh, it is very rare that I have like a set idea of what I want to do. Like occasionally it's like I want to play an investigator. Like that was set in stone for me. Uh, but otherwise I am an anxiety ridden weirdo who prefers to wait until everyone else has picked their thing. Um, because then it kind of narrows down what role I need to fill and that lessens my anxiety. So I, I'm definitely okay with being the person that picks last or second to last because then I don't have to freak out as much. Mm. Um, so yeah, plus I, I, I'm, I'm definitely more with uh, Jessica on the, the vibing situation. Sometimes uh, I just see a picture and I'm like, I want to do something that feels like this. And then I show it to Rick and I go, how do I make this happen? <laughs> uh, because a lot of my character process is is I spout things off at Rick and then he organizes the jumble of mess that is my brain um, until I come up with a fully fledged character that I that I enjoy. <laughs> and as for casting, um, I mean, for the shows, we commission character art. So we have to kind of do that. But previously it would be, you know, as I'm you know, watching TV or you know, doing my daily life things. Anytime I see someone that has like a very like a specific look that's interesting, I might like make a mental note. I think, you know, my next character, I have three different actresses in that folder for the artist and I'm like, whichever one or some amalgamation of these people because uh, they have to fit the vibe and sometimes it's easy to find someone that does that and sometimes it's hard. I almost cast like we do at the end of the after party. Like once I know who my character is, and like kind of have an appearance and like what attitude they're going to be. I start thinking about actors or actresses and what roles they've played. And every once in a while though, like actress or an actor will just come to me and I'm like that. And I don't know why, but that's the person. So it just, I think it's just, a, you know, how, what kind of state of mind I'm in at the moment. Fair yeah, enough. We didn't used to cast characters before we were commissioning character art. That's uh, for the Maybe pod. you didn't. So well, yeah, I, maybe, I, I maybe honestly, you I didn't. didn't. Yeah, that's things I didn't. So we just started doing it for the show. And now I do it 
for every character. Kind of with Heather on that. It's like usually once I've got the vibe of my character, then I go find an actor that I'm like, you know, just in case we ever get famous and need to cast this, I should. <laughs> have oh yeah, that this ready. multi-million dollar production yes. Yes. with all these, <laughs> you know. You know A-list actors. I hold out hope that some celebrity (laughs) listens to us one day and is like, that's awesome. I should come play with them. That would be so cool. Dear Kate Blanchett. (laughs) (laughs) We have a bunch of characters you could play. We we cordially invite you to come play a game with us. Matthew finishes saying, "Uh, it's my hope that these questions would reach you while the process would be at the forefront of your minds. But if not, just let them stew for a while. Thanks again (laughs) for all you do. Oh, and if you'd be game for a North Texas meetup one of these days, oh. that'd be fun to put together if there's interest. Uh, yeah, Always. I think there would yeah, be interest. Find out I feel like interest. I'm frequently in North Texas. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, there's something telling me I could be there just about any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could. All the very best, Matthew. Well, thanks, Matthew. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks Yay, so good much. Questions. Our next email comes from Jason L. from Blaston. Uh, the, his player's kingdom in the River Kingdoms of Kingmaker. Rad. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yep. Jason writes, greetings, all. Hello. 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 I've written in a few times for Hell's Rebels, but never for Mummy's Mask. But Heather said we didn't need to have questions to write in, just praise. And I have lots of that still. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was swift. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. But what really prompted me mm. to write again was your latest after party for episodes 208 through 210. Specifically, hearing the first email from Zach in Champagne. So I went to my coworker and fellow Pathfinder nerd, Zach, where we worked together in Champagne and asked if it was him. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> no, you guys work together? <laughs> Turns out it was not him. Oh, that is that so been disappointing. That would have been such amazing story <laughs> oh, right there. Cool. I also was somewhat surprised that more than one of you already knew the town well enough to automatically recognize how it's supposed to be spelled. Yeah, I mean, I guess passing knowledge. Somehow absorbed that through the ether. Yeah. The email following that was from another Jason, which seemed like (laughs) a small providence that I should write in. (laughs) So, on to the praise. Thank you. Thank you for your humility in the face of what is clearly such an amazing art that you are producing for all of us. Well, thank you. Thank you to Rick and Rachel for coming on to Shop Talk Show. Ah, You're welcome. It was fun. Thank you for the years of companionship and the community you foster. Although I know the show will continue with a different AP, it still feels like we're nearing a goodbye. And Mm. I can't say thank you enough. No matter how uncomfortable it makes you to hear it, I say it with no reservations that you deserve to hear it. Thank you. We work hard. We do work hard. You're going to make Rachel cry. (laughs) (laughs) You all have been there for so many commutes, boring work shifts, and more than one family gathering. (laughs) And please send these words to Ross as well. His work on Darkmoon Vell was pleasurable to listen to. Aw, we shall. I'm sure he would be awkwardly rubbing the back of his neck if he were. Oh, 100%. Yep, super awkward. (laughs) I can just picture it now. And I guess I do have a question. Are we going to hear about what happens to Falto? I think as the game master, I can officially say (laughs) yes. I can't guarantee that I'm going to tie up all the loose ends of this story. Some of them. So again, thank you, Jason, for writing in. Our next email comes from Sam from Everett, which is apparently 20 miles north of Seattle. Mm, Rainy. I love that name. That's my grandpa's name. 
The Viridian Forest, except it's not called the Viridian Forest. Where's that gnome town in there? We've, we did that <laughs> recently. We've done that before. Recently. We should put them in Escadar. What's Escadar? Uh, Escadar's n- northern portion of the Isle of Cortos, since we keep oh, saying hey. that Seattle oh, is yeah. Absalom, yeah. I figure yeah. north yeah. of Absalom yes. is Escadar. Sure, why not? Yeah, we'll put you in Escadar. It, it houses a city-sized military outpost, acting one of as one of Absalom's primary bases of naval operations. Hmm. There's boats. Interesting. Cool. I think that there's also like a large number of uh, Gilmen, the uh, the low Eslanti. I can't remember what the uh, the name they call themselves is. It's a weird one. Sam from Everett writes in. Now from uh, Escadar. Hi, it's FTP just fun crew. To say Escadar. Escadar. Hi, FTP crew. Hello. 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 I started listening to Mummy's Mask in December of 2020 and caught oh. up in about a month. <laughs> oh my Good gosh. gracious. Bravo. You, you guys with your marathon listenings. Just I know. Wow. It is seriously like they, I feel like they write into brag. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And they have they have full rights. Yep. Full seriously, rights to yeah, brag you, that. Yeah, for sure. It's really going to floor me once we get to like episode you know, 200 of the next one. And somebody's just like, I binged through all 400 of your episodes in the main feed. You're like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> says that uh, he had caught up in about a month and have been a weekly listener ever since. Oh, thank you. Thank you. With the end of the AP approaching, I finally feel the urgency to propose a moniker for the humble GM of this podcast. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. Here it goes. I should have edited this before I went through all these. (laughs) Let me know if it's a good fit. Rick, the rule book that walks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think it it works. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I don't care if Rick likes it. It's done. It's because the rest of us do. It ha- it's happening. You need to introduce yourself like this on the pod from now on. Yeah. Rick. Business. I cards. do have a deep-seated love for the worms that walk. So there is that. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> Besides it. that, I look forward to what the crew does next. You are one of the best groups in tabletop RPG podcasting. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We also, work hard. Yep. <laughs> Also, since you don't mention your merch enough, I got one of your shirts for Christmas, and it is comfortable and fits great. Aww, oh, yeah, hey. we do have a merch Good. store. That's yeah, nice. we do have a merch yep. store. So, uh, yeah, everyone, keep in mind, we're, uh, we're reaching the end of this. Shirt? It's time to you go out and get your armor shirt. An ar- there your... is an armor shirt. Yep, there's yeah. uh, all kinds of shirts. Stinger bugs, Jr. and Rocky are even stickers. on it. There's a, a silky chicken shirt and a bonnet. Excuse me, we got a yeah. lot of shirts, y'all. Mm-hmm. We do. We have a lot of shirts. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Our That's next email. That walks. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it makes me so happy inside. I don't know why I'm, I'm picturing it in the cartoon style of that uh, that Senate bill cartoon oh, from back in the day. I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. That apparently thing. Anyway. I've been playing too much Soulsborne games because all I can see is like the big you know Soulsborne font and everything. Yeah, yeah, you know. No, if I see and then you Master. beating us with a giant book. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, that's fan I do love the oh, Inquisitor, I and I never got a chance to play the Inquisitor that beats people to death with a book. The so. Ironbound Inquisitor, I think. Oh, Ironbound, yeah. Our next email is from Dylan in Purcell, Oklahoma, the quarter horse capital of the world. Oh, oh, <laughs> somewhere in Nidal. It's not actually like there's a town in the north of Nidal that still breeds all the horses from when they were the horse lords. And that's like all they do. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Are those the fell ponies? Yeah, I think it's the fell horses. Like, they're some of the best horses in all of Galarian, because, you know, the, you know, before... No, the, uh, Nider, the Nidermar are the dark yeah. horses, um, strong and disciplined, like the people of the Ateran ranches in Nidal, where they are bred. 
Yeah. I, I do love, sorry, the fell ponies, which are literally just called fell ponies, are from uh, Ustalov. Yeah. Oh, that's also fun. Yeah, I, but, I love a yeah, fell there's pony. Yeah, the really, there's the really cool horses from Night All. They're on the border. They're not real close to the forest of creepiness, so you're not necessarily totally in, you know, Zonkathon. And you have a horse. You can run Night fast. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So, that's true. Uh, so Dylan from the Adiran Ranches in northern Night All writes in and says, Hello, FTP crew. Hello. Hello. I started listening to y'all back at the start of Mummy's Mask, joined the Patreon when it came out, and oh, figured wow. I should write in now that the end of this first story is fast approaching. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you, Dylan. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. And thanks for plugging our Patreon. Yeah, we do have a Patreon uh, for anyone that's enjoyed uh, the entirety Anybody of Anybody that's Mask. listened to over 200 episodes of us. And, uh, There's yeah. some great Frame work some in there more. with Tyrant's Grass. I was going to say, we got that's a whole show true. behind the, the Patreon. There's lots of great work in there, and there's actually a lot of stuff that uh, that we're wanting to do moving forward, so... Anyone that wanted to support the Patreon. Yeah, the Patreon might be getting a shakeup, so. It's true. A lot of things might be getting a shakeup, so that's a little teaser for the future here. But uh, And some of that does go back to the the Patreon. So if you have not supported us yet, maybe consider doing so. We provide a a great deal of entertainment over there, and of course we could use the uh, the support. We're cool. Like Dylan. Dylan. Dylan supports the team. (laughs) Dylan writes in saying, Gotta start with the mandatory and, dare say, well-earned praise for y'all. I've been playing D&D in one edition or another since I was first introduced to 3.5 almost two decades ago. And listening to y'all play together week after week always brings a smile to my face. Thank you. We're glad to make you smile. The depth y'all put into your characters and the RP with each other is fantastic. Alongside the vibrant and living world that Rick describes and embodies with fun NPCs and villains we love to hate. (laughs) <laughs> mm. There's that we do, that we do. Uh, on the subject of uh, PCs and fantastic PCs and everything he does say uh, rest in peace on yours and may those fal- falchion wielding exploding cultists get the payback in the afterlife that they so deserve I hope they do too they suck <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as the game master I can tell you they are a box <laughs> on every single one of those exploding jerks a box, box upon them Yep, they're dead bodies they're all back as pox zombies. All, all their ash and dead bodies. Hey, none yes. of them got mummified. They just exploded. It's true. It's true. That's They're true. all uh, bone dust ghouls or something now. Uh, no. <laughs> no, we want bad We do things. not want to continue the adventure of fighting nothing but bone ghouls. <laughs> or an exploding ghost that has a supernatural power where they just explode. Why, why, why oh are they it worse? Who knows? On to my <laughs> questions. Firstly, how come y'all seem to have such an aversion slash dislike of Abadar? Is it from previous NPC interactions or just yes. from knowing the lore of the god of walls and ditches and all things shiny and gold? My uh, distaste of Abadar comes from a previous AP. I'm going to try to make this as vague as possible, where there is a small child dying and the priest literally has the power to cast cure disease on her and will not because of the mother can't pay. Yep, that's very annoying. That is, and I was like, excuse me? That's probably where a lot of us got that from. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I know that moment. I'm like, no, 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 sir. And just every time we've run into Priests of Abadar, I just don't know if it just happens to be the APs we play or what. Mm. And I'm like, I just don't like them. Huh? So maybe eventually there'll be an AP where the Abadarans aren't betrayed as a bunch of, you know, greedy <laughs> and my opinions will change. But Jordan was a nice Abadaran. <laughs> I tried. I, don't, I didn't play. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I tried that one one sh- that one side. Yeah, story. that's yeah. not like you know a big AP. So I'm saying maybe my opinion of it will change. But yeah, yeah. I that 
I was also playing a paladin in that game, and the whole thing left a really, really bad taste in my mouth. So yeah, Avatar can uh, Rick would make a lot so, of swings. So what, if what I I'm said hearing what is in say. the in the next AP, <laughs> I need to include an entire side quest that involves Avatar, so that we can uh, we can work out these issues with the uh, the God of where they hopefully don't let children suffer and die because <laughs> their parents are poor. Yeah, uh, he does have mm-hmm. a he does have a follow up question to that question, which is. Are there any other deities y'all dislike? Most of the evil ones. <laughs> I think they're interesting, though. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think they're interesting. I think the the obsession with death with Ergothoans, I don't, I don't get. It's not just like, the death part with her, though. The yeah. like gluttony of her is very interesting. The gluttony I get. Like, I totally am down for some gluttony. Like, don't get me wrong, I like to party. I mean, I love Zonkathon just because that's my jam when it comes to scary movies and that kind of thing. Like, Rick probably remembers the first time I read about Zonkathon and freaked out about how cool it was. So I've liked him from the beginning. And I think Asmodeus is interesting. Yeah. Argothoa, I don't get. I kind of understand why they gave her gluttony, but I still think there's a weird disconnect between uh, undeath and gluttony. It's because you don't eat when you're undead, except yeah. I guess you do eat some things, but it's different. Like, it's a gluttony for life. I think there's a lot of how I react to deities is a lot about how I'm exposed to them, I think, in the games, like the thing with Mm. Abadar. And I just really don't like Abadar because of that one instance, and I've never really had anything to kind of change that opinion. Um, I have have an interesting, I think, view as far as a deity that I dislike. hmm. I don't like Rovagug. I don't like Rovagug either because I think he's too, it's very two-dimensional. I just want to destroy the world. It's not even the dimensionality of it or anything else. Rovagug is in essence almost a force of nature. It's Uh, the fact that he grants spells. Because it feels like anything beneath them. And I guess you can make the argument that maybe it's their own faith that's bringing about their ability to gain spells from this, depending Mm -hmm. on whether or not you're going with the idea that people can worship an ideal and they're worshiping the ideal of destruction, which they apply the name Rovagug to. But I kind of feel like his, he shouldn't have a church, that it should just be he's a being of ultimate destruction locked away. But I guess for you to more directly interact with avatars or people that work on his behalf, it's necessary for him to have faith. But I've always found Rovago just a little organized. bit too. It's not organized faith. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, there's like entire Null tribes and Orc tribes. And he's also, yeah, again, it's, it's just one of those. He's the god of monstrous humanoids that want to burn everything to the ground but yeah. then you have Lamashtu, who's like the mother of monsters and i also don't get why Lamashtu has madness and with her portfolio i'm like why did we have to throw that in why can't she yeah, just be the mother of monsters the madness, that makes almost more sense for rovagug though because of the mindless destruction you know i just i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know dylan goes on to say secondly do y'all work with Rick to weave your characters into the AP, or do y'all come up with your own framework using the AP player's guides and then let Rick fill in the blanks? It's kind of a combination thereof. Like, we usually read over the um, trait, the campaign traits, and kind of, kind of pick the ones that we like and the guide, and then we kind of talk to Rick about what we've come up with. And, like, he'll usually come back with, you know, like, if your character needs a mentor, or, okay, well, maybe you're part of this family or this is you know a town that would work for you to be from so it's kind of like a both situation because rick rick likes to weave in our backstories so we need the information from him that's going to make it relevant i guess is the best way to phrase that 
Also, there's it's a bit of a controversial maybe opinion here, but I tend to provide my players with a lot more information than what's in the player's guide because the player's guide tend to be almost unnecessarily vague. And I prefer my players to have a bit more knowledge of, hey, maybe have your character be from, you know, one of these nearby cities or you can have your character come in from this other place. You know, I, I think in Rise of the Rune Lords, I might have even mentioned like, yeah, you can have your characters come from Magmar and... I didn't bring up the fact that, you know, hey, you might go to Magnamar, but it is the, the largest city in uh, close proximity to the starting location of that adventure path. So I think some game masters are so afraid to give the players any information that sometimes it makes the players make characters that are so vague that they don't actually fit with the and main story. There are a few APs where Paizo kind of pulls a bait and switch, where you read the player's yes. guide and you make your character for that player's guide and then after the first or second book you're out of that place and so it's like does my character even make sense for the rest of this ap mm -hmm. i don't want to do spoilers so i'm not going to name them yeah. but there's a few of them where that you know kind of happens mm -hmm. so rick is always very okay yes you're starting in this city and this stuff is happening but you're not gonna don't make yourself so intrinsically tied here that you can't leave yeah, and I think especially also, like, for me, because I was doing kind of a weird prestige class with Sudi, like, definitely having that conversation about, like, hey, just so you know, it, at about 10th level or yeah, I forget whatever my level was, 5th level, 6th level, something like that, I'm going to be taking Living Monolith. So, like, for, for that specific prestige class, there is a story element because you have to have the stone put on you by a, another Living Monolith or a Sphinx. So, like, I didn't really... I knew that was coming, but I didn't really, like... Like we didn't script it, we didn't plan it out. Um, I kind of just, I wrote my backstory in a way that had enough kind of vagueness so that Rick could kind of be like, yeah, you're part of a family of living monoliths and you're destined to do this or you're obsessed with sphinxes and they think that's really cool and here you go. Like I just kind of left it vague so that Rick could fill it in. Yeah. And that's a good like point because there's several prestige classes and things that you have to meet a requirement. Like the Hell Knights, you have to do the single combat with a devil. And so the game master needs to know that it should, you know, be able to be like, hey, I, that's something I'm going to have to work in if maybe you want to be a Hell Knight in a game where that's not taking place in Chiliax because there's a lot of orders that travel outside of Chiliax. And so there's things where, you know, that communication is really important. That's like, you know, not only just for us, but for other other games groups, too. So. A lot of times I do like a very bulleted outline of like, hey, these are mm -hmm. the things that I would like in my backstory. And then I, sh again, like I mentioned before, shove it in front of Rick and say, hey, what do you think? And he goes, you know, based on this, you should maybe look into this. So I think I definitely like start with what we're given and then I... I let him have fun with it. <laughs> I'll have a good timeline that you then share with Rick and then he'll give you like comments and be like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this yeah. is not a great idea or maybe this makes Rick sense. Rick has whatever. to be under so much flipping stress every time we start a new AP because he's getting bombarded with five people going, <laughs> five here's people my emails. backstory. I need a mentor. What place is good for me to be from? Can I do this? I'm sure he's just like, God, phone never stops pinging. <laughs> he married me, so he's stuck with it. <laughs> I also know that it comes from a place where you all want to make characters that are tied to the story and want to engage in the story, which is what I want to encourage. So uh, I think some of the message that comes away from this is, uh, is GMs trust your players and uh, players trust your game masters to make something interesting, uh, work with your character's backstory. And, and realize that for a lot of the information that you can convey, I mean, I know some of it might be the fear, like my players will weaponize it. 
it's information. It's kind of hard to really like exploit if the fact that, oh, there is a person named XYZ who rules this town or something like that. Yeah, or even even implying to the players that it's like, hey, by the way, you guys are going to start in this uh, this city, but after the end of book one, you're not going to come back here. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. make a character that specifically never wants to leave because he's taking care of his like aged grandfather or something. I was, and... was going to say the, yeah. the married man with seven daughters or something or like that. Or else the GM's you know? going to have to kill your family. I mean, if you have seven daughters, you're probably, or honestly, seven kids in general, you're probably like, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that would be a funny hook. The, the I need to go on this adventure. Why, why are you adventuring, sir? It's like I have There's seven daughters. There's four birthday parties this month I have to plan. I need to leave. <laughs> oh, I, 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 seven... was more, I was more thinking it's like I have seven daughters and they're all going to college in the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I understand oh why you gosh. need all this money now. <laughs> and this working down at the bakery thing is not flipping cutting it. So you know what? adventure. They want an education and by God, I'm going to give it to them. <laughs> I'm sorry, House Thurman, but I have to overthrow you so I can afford tuition. <laughs> <laughs> the Akinamirum is real expensive. <laughs> <laughs> the Church of Avatar charges a lot for school. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Dylan signs off with, may all your dice be cat blessed and your questions answered by a silky, sassy southern chicken. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank the you. same to you, my friend. The same, the same to you. Our next email comes from Micah in the middle of the Netherlands. Hmm. Hi, Ooh, Micah. That's well, fun. Interesting. Middle of the Netherlands. Huh. I'd like to go to the Netherlands. What's the cold? middle of the Netherlands there's, even like? There's I, I'm betting cold. I'm, I'm yeah, just assuming cold. North, north-ish? You say fjords, and I'm immediately thinking the Lenorm Kings, but... We always put everybody from that region over there. And I'm like saying, I know that it's fits, but it's also like we can mix it up a little bit. The Mammoth Lords. That's a different place. Realm of the Mammoth Lords. Yeah. That could be cool. That could be you cool. You could have a giant yeah. mammoth. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's cool. Let's put him a, we'll make him a Mammoth Lord. Name Snickers. Like, give, it a, like, give it a little town. Name Snickers. <laughs> Name Snickers. Snickers. All right. So you have a Mammoth Lord named, or you have a giant mammoth named Snickers. Um, very cute. That's much better you than are, having a Mammoth Lord, Lord named Snickers. Lord Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The gnomish, you know, man yeah, forward. Oh, totally, he, totally. Know. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put you in uh, Hillcross. Great, sounds well, like that's a fun nice. place. Hey, Hillcross Roundups. There's Hillcross little Roundup. There. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, not much of a true city as a uh, a stable permanent location for a vast tent city. Hillcross serves as a meeting ground for the various nomadic tribes of the realm of the Mammoth Lords. Fun. Cool. All right, that works. Have right. fun with Snickers. I hope you're not allergic yes. to mammoths. If you are, take an allergy shot. Mm-hmm. So Micah writes in saying, "Hello, all." Hello. 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 I have been listening to the podcast for a long time, but this is my first time writing. Sorry if this email is awkward or chaotic. This is my first time writing fan mail. We love chaos. Oh, thank you. Ah, You're good. You're doing amazing. Awesome. I'm usually too shy, but I adore y'all. Oh, thank you. Uh, You are by far my favorite podcast and the first actual play podcast I have caught up to. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. I love your role-playing, stories, characters, immersion, rules knowledge, lore knowledge, friendly dynamic, and much, much more. And I love that you're so respectful and inclusive. We do our very best. We 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 do try. We do try. We try very hard. Also, I usually don't listen to after parties and such because I can't keep my focus on them, but I've become so fond of listening to y'all that I recently binged all the after parties and rumor mills. <laughs> I understand this. I have done oh, this man. before. Awesome. I oh, mean, my. it's a bunch of shenanigans. Yeah. All the scripted content. Yikes. I have good news and bad news for Rick. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. I will only you. give him one praise. <laughs> you get one, sir. One. I will take one. But it's a big praise. I see Rick. Ooh. I see Rick's jamming skills in the same way as I and a lot of other people see Matt Mercer's. That oh, is, wow. Oh, Whoa. That's some high compliments wow. there, Rick. I know. You're, you're putting me some uh, some big shoes he's, there. I think he might actually be turning a little red. Oh, he's ooh, blushing, ooh, y'all. Red. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's the camera. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I will never be as amazing as him, but I will strive to get as close as possible and that will make me the best GM I can be. Well, I am certain that your players definitely respect and, uh, and view you as amazing if uh, you're putting that much effort into it. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you. Uh, moving on from that awkwardness, I recently <laughs> binged all the after parties and have some reactions to things you said. Sorry in advance oh, okay. for this chaotic. Oh, gosh, here, oh, here it comes, oh, y'all. My. We're ready. After we're party recap brains. time. Right. I'm really curious about this, actually. Engage. Recapping <laughs> the previous 72 after parties. No. Um, <laughs> y'all played Betrayal at House on the Hill. That's Heck my yeah. favorite so board game. Fun. I is, love that board game. It is our default game. If we are not it's playing true. Pathfinder, that's usually like our number one board game we play. The Scooby-Doo yeah. version has Scooby Snacks. The Scooby <laughs> one is surprisingly good. Yeah. It's very cute. Y'all know so many films and series that I love, and it makes me happy. Hmm. Sometimes yeah. something in the podcast reminds me of a film or something, and then one of you mentions it right after I thought of it, <laughs> and it makes me happy. Nice. Yeah, no. we're all pretty giant pop culture nerds, so yeah. 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 We're a singular nerd. Well, okay, here's the funny thing is Ross like, knows a lot of older pop culture stuff. Yeah. He knows The Simpsons better he than I do, which oh, is he saying something. And he does like yeah. those classic black and white movies. I was going to uh, say, yeah, yeah he, he was born in the wrong time. It's true. Uh, Rick GM'd 11 APs. That's so many. I am impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Rick likes GMing. I think, yes, I think the majority does. of those actually with us. I do. Too. I love it. Mm-hmm. If, if I could have already game mastered my way through every single one of the Paizo Adventure Pabs, I would have. Mm. Yeah. But time. Rachel mentioned her first character being a halfling druid riding a tiger. It's true. Yeah, my first Named character Karasha. was a gnome druid riding a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so that is very nice. similar. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, that was true. I love this yeah. email. Jordan mentioned really liking when you really get into role play. Have you tried LARPing? Um... Jordan, not exactly. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> not exactly. I was a huge theater nerd, so I did the equivalent of LARPing, uh, including learning stage combat. So I actually did get trained in how to do like uh, like falls and throws and all kinds of stuff. So that's kind of LARPing, I guess. That's not LARPing at all. Uh, not really. Uh, no, I have not. I've, I have not actually gone to like an actual LARPing event and like, you know, thrown out little pieces of paper. I'm like, too Magic self-conscious Magic to do this in person, like walking around in a costume. I, I, my thing is, I feel like I'd kind of be like the Hawkeye thing where I walk in and I'm just like, how do you even do this? You know, like from the Hawkeye show. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know the rules. Like, how do you even begin this? The closest I've come to LARPing is laser tag. <laughs> huh. I had an ex who was really into it. And it just kind of threw me off of it. I respect people who do it because it, it takes a lot. Uh, but I just have a bad association <laughs> You talked about how evil characters don't really care about what happens to others, as opposed to good characters. I always thought neutral characters don't really care about what happens to others, so I'm confused now. What's the difference between evil and neutral characters? Evil can care about things that happen to others. It's just people they care about. Not It's everyone. true. It seems to be the scale, generally. Yeah, I mean, neutral people kind of 
neutral is one of those things where sometimes it's more, you know, they have kind of morally ambiguous. While evil people, I think, tend to just be very, they have a very certain list of things they care about. And good people are always going to care if the village gets destroyed because they're good. Neutral people Mm. might only care because it's the village they grew up in. And evil people, if they have nothing to do with that village, aren't going to give a flying frick. I or guess they're excited kind of the that the easiest... village got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. So I think that that might be just a very simple. Yeah, it's it's kind of how a good person that hears about a war on the other side of the world cares about what's happening to those people, whereas a neutral person goes, "Well, at least it's not happening here." And an evil person is like, "Yeah, they probably deserved it." Yeah, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. You know. yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and it's also, with neutral characters more than almost anything, I think neutral characters really cling to their other alignment thing. Like a lawful mm-hmm. neutral character really cares about the law, and they probably care about their immediate family group a great deal. But yeah. once it's no longer directly impacting them, then, yeah. Goes on. You talked about how searching a room after someone else already did because you know that they rolled badly is metagaming. What is your opinion on discussing who has the highest skill score to decide who's going to do a thing. Is that metagaming or just fine to do? Uh, as a game master, my personal opinion is it's fine because uh, I can doggy paddle enough to not die if I fall in the water. So if it came to crossing a river, I would be aware that everyone has a better swim score than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would think it's much the same that like I have a computer and if something breaks on my computer, I call Jordan. Yep. Yep. Because Jordan specialty. knows computer. You generally actually know what your friend's specialities are. So yeah. You know, if it's a medical thing, we recently had to administer IV fluids to our cat. He's doing fine. But we did call up Heather and we're like, would you mind coming down here and doing this? You stick people with needles. It's just a very small furry person. <laughs> for fun. Yeah. For fun. For fun. Wait, no, it worked. <laughs> for fun <laughs> and profits? <laughs> I was going to say, wait, you're a tattoo artist? You're part-time <laughs> acupuncturist? It's also the thing, like, we don't actually ever role play the the getting to know you conversations that actually would happen at, with an adventuring party, like around the campfire or as you're eating meals and things like that. So there, we, we kind of tend to ask everybody what, what they're good at because we would have talked about that. Um, just like we sometimes do like, what's your marching order? Well, we may have talked about that. What's your watch yeah. order? We yeah. would have talked about that. Like those are kind of the, the conversations we don't role play, but like would have an impact because we probably would have had them because we're not just a bunch of people that walk quietly around and then go, it's time for fighting and quipping. Let's go. <laughs> your, your characters spend time at camp and considering your characters find themselves in life and death situations all the time, you can imagine at camp that kind of thing comes up a lot where I'm perfectly fine when someone says, hey, Jordan, would you mind not running forward? I'm going to fireball here because in my mind, some people may go, well, that's table talk. I don't like that. But in my mind, it's more likely not Hollis has probably talked to Sudi a couple times and be like, maybe you shouldn't run in all the time. If you see if you hear me immediately starting to spell cast, hold up for a second. I'm going to finish. Yeah, it's and that, it's that whole in. thing of like we after especially after a couple of fights or, or after a new ability has been used or something like that, we probably do a quick like, you know, the the playing back the recording of the football game and going, all right, you see yeah. right here when you charged in, you ruined my yeah. fireball. So maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> Quick small anecdote, actually. My favorite game that has ever handled metagaming is actually Werewolf the Apocalypse. In Werewolf the Apocalypse, your characters are your werewolves are part of a pack that have a supernatural connection to one another. And so it basically says metagaming is your character's instinctual knowledge of what one another want to do. Oh. Because you're bound oh. together as a pack that coordinates perfectly at all times, like a pack oh, of wolves. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. 
Like they undergo a ritual where a spirit yeah. literally binds them all together, and you know, so it's one of those. One yeah. of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna Spiffy. run some werewolf for you guys. We should yeah. we should do it. It'll oh. be fun. It'd be fun. I want to be an eco terrorist. <laughs> I love nature. Yep. Or whatever that you do in werewolf, I don't actually know. Uh, one more question. A while ago, two evil animal-headed headed duplicates of characters were created whose sole purpose was to kill the characters that they were duplicates of. <laughs> what happened to them? As far as I'm aware, those never came back. Uh, well, since we are at the very end, I'll go ahead and address that. There's actually a percentage chance that they are simply destroyed when, when the, the mirror, mirror is breaks. destroyed. Uh, and they were. But I didn't tell the players so that they would be paranoid so would about them be for thinking, the rest of oh, that entire book. In, the rats come in, yeah. Yep. They're in the room here with Hakatep. They've been waiting this whole time. Surprise! It's Citra with greater invisibility and a heron head. <laughs> I'll go back and join my family. Falto will never notice the difference. <laughs> oh! Oh, man. I hope this email has not gone on too long. No, it was amazing. It was very it fun. I love you all. Thank you for making the best podcasts. Oh, thank Aww. you. It has a little smiley face at the end of that. So like thank it. you for listening. P.S. Please tell Ross that I also love him. Oh, okay. get the praise too. We'll send it out of context and he'll be really awkward. And it'll be yeah. funny. <laughs> I, I don't know if y'all like how many of you guys are on the discord, but in the last after party, we made some comments about Ross and somebody made a meme about how cool Ross was. <laughs> Ross saw it and was like, oh God, what did they say about me? And had to go listen to the after party. <laughs> so let's troll Ross by making more memes about Ross. Oh my, <laughs> yes, oh make all the memes. Yep. He is a librarian, so play with that. <laughs> yes. And PPS, yes, I learned the phrase y'all from you. Yeah. Y'all is the best yes. word. Y'all is yeah. yeah. welcome. Yeah, it's y'all, y'all. Yeah, it's you is singular. Y'all is like, you know, two or three. And then all y'all is, is a bunch. Big old group. Yep. Yep. Yes, the FTP crew is solely responsible for the spreading use of y'all in the Netherlands. <laughs> I mean, ah, we might be. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. It's a good word. I claim that now. It's a great it's word. It's a gender neutral term. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It refers to anybody. We have uh, one final email here from Joe E. from Smuggler's Moon on Althern in Near Space. Awesome. Says in parentheses, just knows. I do know. Hello, FTP crew. Hello. Hi. Oh, I know which Joe this is. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you she said knew, you but knew. now she really knows. I really you literally know. said you knew. Well, I was like, Joe E. I just saw the moon. I saw the exclamation point like over her head. Like <laughs> it was very obvious. Uh, Joe writes in, "I am writing this as the Mummy's Mask Pod is winding down to the last few episodes, and I'm sure you have a lot of anticipation for the final showdown with Hakatep. Heck yeah! Oh yes." Oh, yes, yes. Rick is trying to scare us. I write with a couple of questions and some praise. The questions first. Delightful. All right. I like that Joe's mixing it up. Usually they start with the phrase. I know, usually they start with the phrase. Questions. He's putting us at ease. Without spoiling anything about the next AP you'll be doing, I was wondering if the paladin himself, Ross, would be joining in on this next adventure. <sighs> Ross and the rest of the crew bring their characters to life in a profound way that is quite enjoyable. We love Ross so much. Ross very awkwardly came to talk to me after listening to the Left After Party. It was like, it was very nice, everything that you guys said about me. Aw, Ross. We love you, Ross. Yes. Two, 
is there any chance the crew would be willing to let us pathfolk on the Discord, shameless plug insert here, vote on character ideas for the next AP? Obviously, the players would have their own ideas, but if a few were put forward from each player and let the audience decide which characters started. We've already got that nailed down. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. The, the planning process for making these characters, because again, we need to uh, contact an artist, get artwork made in advance. It's extensive. Uh, prep everything, go yeah. through all the rest. It's, it's a, a very interesting idea. I will say we could offer a prize if you happen to perfectly guess any of the characters any of us are playing. If you oh, manage to do that, that I will send you a shirt. You don't have to know their yeah. name, obviously, but like race and, and <laughs> class. Dude, if they, name, if they name the name, I'll upgrade it to a shirt and a mug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say that uh, while it doesn't have anything to do with the characters' classes, really the tipping point for the adventure path we decided to do was uh, due to the debate on the Discord over what, when we True. put forth the question of what we wanted people to see next, we had, uh, I think we limited it down to four, four or five at that point. And uh, so. the Discord really tipped us, uh, got us basically down to it's one of these two. And then uh, then we decided. So in, in large part, I would say that the Discord did help us figure out what characters are going to be played next because the characters were decided based on the adventure path is being played. That's yep. true. Yep. But for real, if you guess exactly which class and race any of us are playing in the next one, we will send you something. It is in 1E, so you don't have to worry about the background. Yeah, it is 1E. That actually makes it a little bit harder to guess class, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, finally, time for praise. Uh-oh. <laughs> Listening to other actual plays when I didn't have a group was something that settled the void. But I found your podcast after my move to Georgia in 2018. Hmm. The depth of knowledge by both players and Rick is thorough and extensive. The characters are relatable and heartfelt as their growth and development happen in the story. As quickly as the Patreon, insert another shameless plug, was mm -hmm. announced, I decided to support the best podcast on my feed. Aww, Aww thank, thank you. you. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. And yes. once again, it uh, it does help we, keep the lights on here at the FTP studios. So uh, if you want to <laughs> chip in uh, also. Our houses. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> the bonus of getting a new AP was great, but y'all deserve every copper and credit sent your way. The group's presence on the Discord, in society play, or just other games keeps y'all a cut above. Aww. Well, thank you. We, we do try to be active on the Discord. So thank y'all for your hard work. Yes, you too, Rick. Editing is hard, and we appreciate it. <laughs> ah. Carry on, Doorkeepers, Risen Shrikes, and Rebels. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you. We shall. Thank you, Joe. And uh, yeah, I guess that's going to be it for After Party 73. Uh, once again, we are uh, right here at the cusp of the end of Mummy's Mask. Four years, four and a half years in the making. And this is I the know. last after party to grace y'all, grace the feed, like you know. Well, yeah. So that's yeah. well, there will technically be another one, but that one will be it'll be after party seventy four, and that one will be a stream. At which point, mm -hmm. after the stream, we will be putting it up on the RSS feed. Yes, but yep. this is the last one where there's not like a audience. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, again, join us uh, again. It's going to be on the the nineteenth at uh, eight p.m. Central. November nineteenth. Yeah. Details will follow. We'll have an announcement after the the final episode for everyone, and of course, blast it out on our social medias and all the rest of that good stuff. We hope uh, you'll join us, and uh, 
we'll probably have a special guest Ross there to uh, to moderate things. Oh, and, totally. Uh, I suppose it's uh, it's fair to say here also, just as a, a little teaser, maybe an encouragement to join us uh, for the next AMA and uh, with your questions and all the rest of that is we will be announcing our next adventure path and what the, the time frame looks like for that, as well as a, a couple of shakeups that we have planned for uh, the main feed mm-hmm. for a little bit even uh, for the next year as far as Hell's Rebels is concerned and uh, some new things that we're doing with our Patreon. So as mm-hmm. we're moving into the new phase, the second stage, if you will, our evolution of our, the final path. Is this our MCU phase two? Yes, we're moving into phase two. <laughs> phase this two. isn't even our final form. FTP phase two, y'all. Yes, we're going from a Charmander to whatever's after a Charmander. Charmander! Oh, the adolescent phase. Very good. Yes, adolescent phase. That's it. Yes. How do you not know what comes after Charmander? I've never played a Pokemon He doesn't game. do Pokemon. That's not I know, thing. but still, it's just... It, okay, I just... I can't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And apparently, I haven't absorbed this through uh, through osmosis and everything else. Well, we don't else talk about from... Charmeleon enough. To be fair, no, everybody just wants the Charmeleon so they can go to the Charizard, which is the cool form. Although I liked yes. Ivysaur, Venusaur. I'm over here with the Bulbasaur train, personally. Charmeleon was always really cute looking, though. He had the little extra horn on the back. He had a little angry. He had a little angry. He's boy. a little angry. Boy, I know. Yeah. That's why I liked him. He's a little angsty boy. So until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Good bye luck, bye, Pathfolk. Bye, Pathfolk. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.